Welcome to the latest episode <laughs> of the Birdie Bug Pod. Do you want to start that again? Yeah. So welcome to the latest episode of the Birdie Bug Pod. <laughs> episode six. Is it six? It is six. It's last not... week was five. Oh, so, so, so it would be six, wouldn't it, if last six. week was five? Yeah. I thought it was seven. No, definitely six. Perhaps I dreamt six and now it's seven. Yeah. Anyway. So... Hello. Episode six. Normal little bit of catch up before we delve into the topic. Yeah, it's been a bit of a quiet week, really. Um, yeah, I don't have too much either. So a I've very joined, quick one. I've joined the BTO, which, which is, is exciting. The British Trust for Ornithology. To go on top of your RSPB and WWT. <laughs> yeah, to go with both of those, which means I definitely can't pay the electricity bill now. Even if I could before, I can't now because I'm giving, giving it, it all to the birds, the birds and conservation and and. Your mum, um, I'd only I'd only joined about twenty minutes and gave her the link to the website and she bought a book, of course, uh, which is a really brilliant book called Into the Red. Beautifully put together book and it was um, it's all about uh, seventy artists and seventy authors have got together and put this book um, together. I said together twice then and wished I hadn't. Um, for the 70 red-listed birds in the UK. Which is a really cool idea. Oh, and it's beautiful. And there's some, you know, some few high-profile people do a, a little thing. Um, uh, Megan David Mc- Gray, Megan, Megan McCubbin. in there. Uh, Jim Moyer, who I think is Rick, uh, Vic Reeves. He's, a, um, he's big into painting birds. In fact, he's exhibited and does a lot of painting of birds. And he's done a, a a page, and every every page is is dedicated to that. And somebody's done the words, and somebody's done a painting or a yeah. I've had a little flick yeah, through. Yeah, it's absolutely beautifully done. So um, I did a little post on it actually on the on the Instagram page. So I thoroughly recommend you check it out. The BTO um, do a lot of good stuff as well, so it's a nice if, way to support them. Yeah, it's a really. I mean, it's you know twenty five pounds. It's a small way that we can contribute. We're not we can help. Um, we're not sponsored by BTO, uh, <laughs> but um, no, seriously, I, I thoroughly recommend it. It's a, it's a beautiful but lovely coffee table book. Yeah, is that what you call it? Yeah, it's a coffee table coffee book. table book, and uh, yeah, it's, it's something that I, I thoroughly recommend. Uh, aside from that, what have I been doing? Um, I haven't been out too much. The weather's been pretty. Rubbish. It's been quite quite wet. It's been very wet. I did get out today for a bit. Saw loads and loads of um, pied wagtails in the in the waterlogged fields because they like a bit of water. Um, but no, apart from that, it's been work and work really. So how about you? Yeah, not not a lot of relevant catch up. Uh, I've been no bugs for you really. Not really. There. The weather's been naff. Um, went rock climbing, which is fun, but not anything particularly relevant to the birdie bug pod so i'll leave the catch up there with with what you've been up to and we can okay. delve into the topic okay let's do it so today we're talking about hedgehogs hedgehogs we love hedgehogs or hodge pigs yeah which they're or just urchins as they used to be called yeah i guess they are like land urchins they were they? called like urchins balls. many years ago and hedge pigs i think yeah or hodge ago. pigs as i like yeah. to call them yeah but they um, actually genuinely were called hedge pigs some years ago it makes sense. Um, so why are we talking about hedgehogs today? Because I actually... So we were thinking of doing a few more episodes where we uh, look at a specific animal. And it was actually after watching Autumn Watch, where they had on the 
little thermal cam, a hedgehog running across the field. And I was like, you know, I haven't seen a hedgehog in a long time. And uh, it would be a nice one to talk about, especially as their populations at the moment or over the last few decades have been interesting and some bad and some good news. And so I thought they'd be a good one to talk about. They're an animal that we both like. They're an animal that are sort of in trouble. And I'd sort of forgotten about them until until it ran across the screen on Awesome Watch. Yeah, well, you know, historically we've had a few in our gardens of our houses that we've owned when you were growing up. I think in our um, old house there used to be one that came and did the same little routine around yeah, the we used to see fence the, every night. through the lounge window at sort of dusk, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, going across out. the lawn. I built him a little hedgehog home. Yeah, and he, he sort of did the same route, which I think they tend to do, and they actually travel quite a long way in the night, don't they? I think I read up to a mile. Yeah, one travel. to two kilometres yeah. I've got down as their nightly Yeah, the roaming. nightly jaunt to try and find food. Um, but yes, uh, obviously they are... Um, in decline, and yeah. they are in trouble. Um, it, it's a difficult one, actually, because the, when I was doing the research, they, they don't really know. As much as they've done hedgehog counts and they've tried to get people, you know, a bit like the bird watch, they've done hedgehog counts. Um, it's a bit harder. It's hard, and they, they, they're they struggling to actually estimate yeah. the real population level. Um, but I was reading back in the 1950s, there was supposedly about... 35 million yeah, I saw that in the UK which of course there aren't any no. more and we we'll get into there what's happened to their populations in a in a little bit um but a bit like I guess with the curlew we should kick things off with a little bit of introduction to to a hedgehog what it is why yeah. it is and how it yeah. is it's actually one of the oldest mammals on the planet oh I don't think I had did that. you not know that no Ah, there's a little fact for you. They've apparently been around for 15 million years. Hmm, they found cool. fossilised evidence of that, of animals very, very similar to hedgehogs, and they are one of the oldest mammals on the planet. Oh, that's a cool And in fact, fact, they were around before saber-toothed tigers, before woolly mammoths. To be fair, it's not too surprising, <clears throat> I guess, because their closest relatives are like moles and shrews yeah. and things, and yes. the, the rodent-y style of mammal was one of the first groups to really be roaming around sorry i just interrupted there for a bit of a slurp of coffee which we shouldn't be really having because it's now 20 to 8 in the evening it's fine we shouldn't Uh, really be drinking coffee at the moment um, anyway but yeah considering what their relatives are um i think lots of people would assume they were related closely to something like a porcupine because it's a spiky animal but they're not related really at all um beyond being mammals uh the, the spiky back of a porcupine or a hedgehog is one of those cool examples of evolution developing the same thing twice independently yeah. of, of one another. Uh, so they're not actually uh, particularly closely related. Their closest relatives, like I said, are, are shrews and moles and moon rats. Moon rats? Mm. What, what is a moon rat? I don't know. It's like a werewolf rat. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure it's not. Are you sure you haven't made that up, a moon rat? No, there is a thing. I'm just not sure, I'm not sure what it <laughs> you is. Can't, you can't hit me with a thing like moon rat and then not tell I'll, me I'll, all about I'll it. I'll add it in the show notes. Um, people can look up what a moon rat yeah, is. Yeah, go and look up what a moon rat um, is because I don't know either. But how many species of hedgehog do you think there are worldwide? I think I did read this, actually. I think there's... 15. 17. Uh, it's 17, yeah. is it? People often see the African pygmy hedgehogs because they pop up in the exotic pet trade quite a lot. People have African pygmy hedgehogs as oh, pets. Okay. Uh, so those are the ones that 
people will often stumble across on like Instagram or something like that. But yeah, there are 17 hedgehog species worldwide. We only have one here in the UK, which That's is the European, the European hedgehog, yeah. um, which has quite a, a, a range across Northern Europe and, and things like that. They're, they're a widespread animal. And across most of Europe, they're incredibly common. And they used to be obviously incredibly common here as well. Um what would you? I, I mean, you've probably got this fact, but how how long do you think they live? Oh, I have got that fact. It's I've got a lifespan of two to five years. Yeah, but apparently they can live up to ten. Oh, okay. Like two to three is an average. Like five to six is quite a well-lived hedgehog. But apparently they can live up to ten, which, given their size, is quite impressive. Small mammals don't have yes. long lifespans, yeah. uh, so they can be fairly long-lived for for a little mammal, um, which I thought was was quite cool. Uh, okay, I'm going to throw another fact question at you. It's borderline a quiz, but not a quiz. How many spines do you think they have on their, their backs? Oh, no, I haven't looked Average number up. of spines <clears throat> on an adult hedgehog. I didn't look that one up, so I'm going to guess at 300. Oh, way off. Five to 7,000. Wow. Apparently. Five to 7,000 yep, spines. Yeah, I've got there approximately five to 7,000 spines on the average adult hedgehog. That's incredible. Which is cool, isn't it? And they're made out of um, keratin, which is like what's made of like fingernails yes. and hair and yeah. stuff, and they grow in that in that way, which again is quite interesting. Little spiky balls. Um, yeah. Wow! So a lot of spines. I mean, if you've ever tried to pick one up, obviously they are they are very prickly, but they're not as like if you brush past something like a cactus. It's like an immediate pain. Yeah, I haven't yeah. found the hedgehogs to be quite... They're still quite painful to pick up. I haven't handled a lot of hedgehogs, Well, funny to be enough, fair. your mum and I were walking down, walking back from the beach the other day, and one was walking yeah. down the middle of pick the road. Pick it up with a hoodie or something. And I went to try and pick it up with my bare hands, thinking I've got to get this little geezer off the yeah. road because he was in trouble. And actually, I couldn't. Hmm. And fortunately, there's somebody behind me had a um, hoodie they had round their waste and they picked yeah. it up with a hoodie to be fair each time i've picked one up it has been i've wrapped it up in a hoodie yeah, and it's only painful. ever to be to get it out of the yeah. road or, yeah. or something like that um but yeah so one more little guess to make i guess how much do you think they weigh well <laughs> based on my it's less than a kilogram curlew <laughs> um which was a bit of an embarrassment i think they would weigh half 500 grams. I've got, they can range anywhere from 800 grams to two kilos on the heavier side. Two kilos? Yeah. Wow. But I guess, I think like the average was about one kilo to 1. Yeah. 1.2. So again, I think this is that's going to be a chunky hedgehog. But uh, they do stuff themselves, obviously, to hibernate over winter. So it, And like, I guess five, I, mind you, I don't suppose 5,000 spines, um, spines are going to weigh very much, are but, they? Uh, yeah, apparently. So they can be quite, quite okay. chunky. Uh, what the fact that I thought was I've got two facts that I that I thought were quite cool. One, apparently the nest that they make that they hibernate in is called a hibernaculum. Ah, uh, I, re- I did read that because it comes from a from the Latin term, doesn't oh, it? Oh, I, d- I didn't get no, the it Latin. Comes, do you know what? Oh, tent for winter. Yeah, tent for winter. Yeah. It comes from a Latin term, which is for a that. cracking word. Which is a brilliant word. Hibernaculum. Hibernaculum. Their little sounds sort tent. of Roman, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, which they actually might wake up a few times throughout winter to remake their little winter tent so they don't just make one settle down and sleep all winter they might actually wake up and do a little bit of maintenance what i didn't check is that whether that's where the word hibernate comes from yeah or that must be some kind there must of be derivative some, yeah there, they must be related is that a derivative is that the right word anyway and this was something i found 
quite surprising, was apparently from the early 1950s until about the 80s, they were sometimes the unofficial symbol for NATO. Really? As uh, numerous countries as represented as peaceful animal, but will bristle in defence. Oh, that's brilliant. So it, it, not like official, that. but apparently, yeah, it was an unofficial did, no, symbol no, that, for NATO. That's a fact I didn't find. Peaceful, but will bristle if they need to, which I just thought was yeah, no, that is quite a cool like way that. to represent the hedgehog. Definitely. I like um, that a lot. Well, I've got a few little facts here. If we're going to stay on little facts, um, they apparently were eaten in ancient Egypt. Yeah. Um, I also read that in the Middle East, hedgehog meat is considered to be medicinal and it's thought to cure rheumatism and arthritis and also... Impotence. No, I didn't get, oh. I didn't get that so, one. I got urinary infections. Oh, okay. I... I have to apologise because I'm stealing this from another podcast, I think. And it was a long time that I remember that I've listened to this. But I seem to remember them saying that in some country, I can't remember where it was, if you inhaled the smoke from a burning hedgehog, it was supposed to cure male That sounds impotence. awful. That sounds like an awful way to cure impotence. Mm, <laughs> go get bitten by a Brazilian wandering spider or something. Yeah. It's much simpler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, um, so yeah, they have been a bit like a lot of animals used in a variety of strange medicinal remedies. I all guess. right, so I've got a little quiz question for you then. Do you know what a group of hedgehogs is called? No, actually, you don't often get a group. No, they're because they're, they're quite solitary. solitary. But a group of uh, hedgehogs is called an array, apparently. Oh, that's cool. An array of hedgehogs. Do you know what a baby hedgehog is called? Yes. It's a hoglet. A hoglet. <laughs> Which, is, again, is adorable. So we've got lots of little yeah, lots of little facts. We will stop soon. Um, they're lactose intolerant. Yeah, apparently. I was going to um, come on to that when we talk about how you can help them. Oh, okay. Um, and they're also naturally immune to snake venom. Yes. Quite a lot of the similar... Those a like a sort of mongoose are, yeah. type of thing, which I thought was quite interesting. Not particularly Albeit, useful in this not country. Not particularly relevant here. I suppose we do have adders, and I guess at some stage hedgehogs and adders have crossed paths yeah. at some stage, haven't they? So, um, so yeah, that's about it, really, for yeah, a little I think fun fact. The, the fact that will um, relate to both what's happened to their population and how we can help them is the fact that, like we said a bit earlier, they travel quite a far, or quite a long distance each night. Considering their size, they're walking between one to two kilometres every night. Yeah. Uh, so they're quite well-travelled little creatures, and that becomes quite relevant to the story. So... The main point, I guess, about talking about the hedgehog is what's happened uh, to their population. And as you said, back in the 1950s, there were there were a lot of them, and they're, they're a very common animal across, I say, across Europe. They are least concern, not particularly spectacular if you if you have one in your garden. That they should be quite a frequent sight. And I do remember seeing a few. I say in some of our older houses, as as a kid, we'd have one that'd come round and do a little circuit of our garden and sadly you'd frequently see them splattered on the road i've got a feeling once in one of our mad moments of having watched an england game we ran out in the dark thinking it would be a really good idea to kick a football in the garden oh i saw a hedgehog no and it bounced off something and went up in the air oh yeah and it bounced off a hedgehog I think he was okay though. Oh no, he was absolutely fine. And I think it wasn't a it was like hard a pass, kick, wasn't it? It was like a pass across the grass. Yeah. I couldn't work out why it hadn't got to you. And the, I think it, it's a good job it, well, I say it didn't even um, puncture the ball. But yeah. I didn't hit it that hard. But So yeah, they used to be a very common sight and, and they are not 
as much now. So we're going to a little bit about sort of why they've why they've declined and by by how much. And it's interesting because there's a bit of a distinction between the rural and the urban yes. hedgehogs. So it's the rural hedgehogs in particular that have declined massively. The urban hedgehogs, certainly in more recent years, have started to stabilise as a population a little bit better. Do you think that's an awareness thing that people Possibly. are maybe making their gardens a little bit more yeah, hedgehog-friendly? Um, and they're also, there's actually positive news for a change that they might yes. actually recover. Yeah. But the rural hedgehogs are still struggling in general. Uh, and like you said, there's what, 30, did you say? 35, 35 million, million from the 50s, approximately. Again, yeah. they were quite a hard... They're quite a hard animal to actually count, but, but with any kind of accuracy anyway. Yeah, and to be fair, there are, again, we can go on to it in a little bit, there are ways of trying to monitor if you have a hedgehog, for example, in your garden. Uh, but I think in 2020, I've got down anyway, hedgehogs were put onto our IUCN red list, not as endangered or something like that, but at vulnerable, um, yeah. essentially, was their title. And the fact that, because the decline has been quite quick. Yes, uh, that, that I think I've got up to three quarters of all of their rural hedgehogs in Britain have been lost in 20 years. Yes, so it's, it's a that. big drop um, rather than something that's been monitored over, I don't know, 50 plus years. Uh, so they are certainly an animal to keep an eye on yeah. and make sure that we're not letting them slip away without... I, th- I think the problem with that is it it's... It's a, a common theme going on here, and it's one of the biggest things, of course, is loss of habitat. Yeah. And the loss of habitat from mainly from agricultural uh, practices yeah. having changed so much with hedgerows going. And so all of their natural habitats that they, um, you know, that they reside in copses and woodland and hedges and have hedgerows, all been. Yeah. Well, not all been, but dramatically reduced yeah, for more intensive farming. Yeah, so. and the other key part of their habitat loss is the uh, sort of, like we said, they travel quite a lot. Yeah. And where there used to be perhaps more fields, is, there's obviously a lot more building work being done. Yeah. And so it's a bit of a fragmentation where, where they used to be able to travel along the hedgerows across however many farms or yes. woodlands. There's now big blocks in the way, whether that's a road or a building or whatever it is. So they're essentially being fragmented into little separate populations. Rather yeah, I read than actually that that nasty. was affecting them genetically as well yeah. because they're, they're sort of getting isolated in little pockets, so they're ending, sort of inbreeding to yeah, a certain you extent. You end up with populations, for example, that are susceptible to a disease, yeah. and then if it wipes out one, it might wipe out all of them. Any Anywhere with any animal, if you have a small population that can't move and interbreed with other populations, you end up with a very, very low genetic diversity. Yeah. And the low genetic diversity makes you really vulnerable to anything, whether it's a disease or climate issues or um, some influx of predators, where you would normally have a nice diverse pool where some would survive. Suddenly they're all very similar. And so if it affects one of you, it will probably affect the rest of you. Um, it's one of the reasons why cheetahs really struggle. Um <laughs> Cheetahs were wiped down to such a small population that most of the population in the world has come about through inbreeding. Yeah. And so their genetic diversity is horrendously low, which makes them really vulnerable. But yeah, we're ending up with these little islands of separate yeah, populations. Yeah, because of course, of you know, since the 50s, you know, the dramatic increase in road building and walls and fences. And, yeah. and obviously that loss of agricultural, sorry, the, the agricultural practices meaning that the loss of habitat of trees and hedges and uh, 
places that they they would thrive um, sort of disappeared has disappeared so um, you know it's it's a it's a thing we see more and more whenever whether we're talking about birds whether we're talking about mammals or mammals whether we're or... talking about insects and invertebrates it's all this loss of habitat yeah and, and obviously with um i don't know whether we actually mentioned in our quick facts section but um, hedgehogs eat insects predominantly yeah. and slugs and things slugs like and that worms and so and, yeah. where we've spoken about the decline in insects that's a huge decline in their food population and again with changes in agricultural practices the insecticides and yes, pesticides, pesticides yeah. not only do they obviously wipe out the food source being something that kills an insect but if they eat the insects that are essentially carrying a insecticide or a pesticide they can then obviously die from transfer of poison yeah. essentially and a bit like you see i think the typical example is like mercury in, in fish in tuna normally because hedgehogs are eating however many insects a day all of if all of those insects are full of pesticides the concentration in the hedgehog is way higher than it would have been in one insect because it's a an accumulation yeah. of it essentially so and again it ends up being like the the next predator up if they were to eat 15 hedgehogs they then get an even stronger concentration yeah. so the further up the food chain the the more toxic these chemicals come but it is a real problem for for hedgehogs essentially the, the pesticides in their diet yes yeah and again the the roads i mean it's not just the roads fragmenting their their population so that they're inbreeding and they're getting cut off um quite badly amongst that uh, over that environment but of course a lot of them get killed on the roads yes and it's a, in fact it's a huge amount get yeah, killed I think on I the roads. about one hundred and fifty thousand. it's a, a I, year it shocked me that yeah. figure and it's, it's one of those things, because that was a relatively recent figure. Um, I actually can't remember. Oh, it was 2016, so not super recent. Um, you can almost view it as, because I don't see them that often. I don't even see you know, dead-on-the-road hedgehogs that often. But if there's still enough for 167,000 to be killed every year, it's, it's, they're, they're, they're still out there. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, yeah. They are struggling, obviously, with them. Um, I think that's where most people will encounter a hedgehog, it sadly, is, is on our because they're, they're not the fastest little animals in the world they've got quite short legs so yeah. they don't and their instinct if they're scared is bull up which is fine against most animals but not against a range rover <laughs> yeah absolutely poor little things uh interestingly one of the things i didn't realize is that badgers well, i knew badgers ate hedgehogs but so do the do owls and and um i believe despite the culling badger populations in comparison to hedgehogs uh have increased so there is a greater predation from badgers now than they were however many years ago i think that's their biggest predator isn't it the badger because yeah. they've got the strength to open yeah. them up and then obviously their their tummy is the vulnerable yeah. bit and and badgers are doubly bad in this context because they also eat very similar foods badgers will also eat insects yeah. beetles and slugs uh yeah so badgers are not only out competing them for their diminishing food source but they are also quite a heavy predator i don't think you can really blame badgers here for the population decline because whilst they may contribute to it badgers and hedgehogs have lived together in the uk for a long long time yeah no i think i think obviously it's us that's affected the population yeah. of, the bad, of the hedgehogs more than anything else because that's what we do isn't yeah. it um you know the more demand for the building of houses and say walls and fences Swimming pools as well has been a threat yeah, and because although they can swim and they're actually quite good swimmers. I think most animals um, are, are, can survive. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, swimming pools and poorly designed ponds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they will there's fall a lot in. Of, there's a lot of factors in urban gardens that have... Yeah, um, which I'm sure we'll chat about. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they, they are 
susceptible to falling into a pond or a swimming pool and, and sadly drowning. So that is another threat out there for, for the hedgehogs. Yeah. Um, but it isn't all bad news. There are some things that we, as people with gardens, can do, as well as things that sort of society and farmers can do to try and uh, try and help the hedgehog. You know, either stabilize because like i said the urban population is stabilizing but we need to stabilize the rural population <laughs> yeah so to, to as a really quick summary populations have declined mainly in rural areas and this is essentially because of increased agricultural intensity increased use of pesticides building more roads more cars uh, and all of that sort of led to us losing quite a lot of our rural hedgehogs but there are things that we can do are there other things on them. a I know there are things that we can do on a on an urban basis on you know that there's been lots of awareness recently about what we can do how to build a you know little area in your garden a hedgehog house leave little bits of your garden a little bit more wild yeah. and but I'm not convinced what what can we do on a on a rural way oh, I mean a few things so one of the I guess simplest ways is making sure there are good, healthy, wild hedgerows. So that's not a super trimmed hedgerow. It's not something that you um, prune and remove different species. You want like a nice diverse hedgerow. So just let the hedgerows around farms, around fields, alongside roads, um, like country roads, go uh, a little bit more wild because they will actually live and travel inside the hedgerow. And not only does a nice, dense, um, healthy one protect them from predators and provide a nice channel for them to walk through every single night, but it also encourages a lot more food. You've got a diverse range of plants. There's going to be more insects, more slugs and everything But we're like in a that. time where, as we've just said, where farmers are taking hedgerows down. Yeah, but so. we're also seeing a few pushes in certain councils, certainly along things like motorways and stuff, to, to leave them. Yes, and so. True. That is one of the, regardless of what's happening, that is one of the things that can be yes, done, is, yeah. is to let hedgerows go wild. Um, the other thing is more like wildflower areas. Because again, wildflowers, that's more on the food chain-wise. It brings back a lot more of the insects. And it just increases that abundance of food. Well, I think that them. is definitely something that more and more farmers are uh, engaging yeah. with. And they're leaving the the edges and the perimeters of their... Which is a bit wild. Like a strip around the fields they're leaving wild. Yeah. And I've seen that more and more now. Um, and again, all the time there are programs showing how that can actually work on a yeah. beneficial basis for the farmers, then the more yeah, that's going to happen. more pollinators is always exactly. going to be better. And pest control as yeah. well, which is what we've said in a previous episode that we did. Yeah, so um, those sorts of things combat the other issue that we spoke about before, about the decline in insects. It just brings back a much healthier variety of food for the hedgehog to thrive and the hedges provide not only somewhere to live but just protection from things like owls and um yeah. and badgers as well if they can't sort of fit in in the gaps the other thing is you so there are a few of them they're not loads but you get what's called a wildlife wildlife bridge or wildlife highway it's a highway i, I think, think it's a yeah. highway and you see them going they over call them the hedgehog highways yeah don't they? um and you see them i know they do them for butterflies as well because butterflies are hesitant to fly over like a, a motorway essentially and, and hedgehogs don't want to walk across across a road and they will avoid it which is why we get this fragmentation and so you build these bridges over busy roads that are essentially just like little fields they're, they're for the plants and grass and stuff and it just lets animals hop from one field to another yeah. without crossing the road and they will seek them out if 
they can't get across the road, they might just walk along the perimeter of it instead. And it's on and they, subways, really, yeah, don't we? Yeah, <laughs> probably harder to build. Um, so that's another slightly more costly, right? You know, in, in comparison to letting something go a bit wild, you've then got to build yeah. a bridge essentially. Yeah. But that is another potential solution. And the other one, which is that goes again for us in a garden, but on a wider scale with farming, is reducing chemical pesticides, yeah. especially those that target slugs. <laughs> so slug pellets and, and things like that are particularly damaging to a hedgehog because they do love, which is why they're sometimes called the gardener's friend, because they will eat slugs and snails. So the, the slug pellets, and I don't know how widely those are used on a big farm level. Uh, I know they're more of a, a garden thing. Yeah, I must admit, I stopped using them a long time ago. Um, but um, yeah, so essentially, as far as uh, widespread farming agricultural changes, the thing is, wilder spaces, healthier hedgerows, reduced chemical pesticides and then if we want to go for more uh, extreme uh, sort of measures it's building things like hedgehog highways and and stuff like that um, and some of those are quite similar for what we can do and i think most people if you've ever seen a hedgehog in your garden they're, they're a lovely little visitor to have well, we have one this year didn't we and jose jose we I think we him. mentioned him in rewilding your garden yes he um he made a uh hibernaculum under the bamboo and he he created this huge pile of all the bamboo leaves and um i gotta be honest i didn't even realize he was there until i was very well hidden i went to i was clearing the garden and just fortunately i had a glove on but i grabbed this pile of bamboo leaves and hit something spiky That's and two solid. Hedgehogs you've disrupted. You kicked your football at one of them. Yes, I know. Stuck your hand I on know. And actually, I covered him back Hedgehog up. And then menace. actually, I fed him through the. I, know. I fed him through the winter. Got went and got some uh, special hedgehog food, not milk and bread like some people uh, have been uh, made to believe is good for them or they like. Yeah, like famously, it was you leave bread and milk. Bread out. and milk. And like you mentioned very briefly at the start, they are lactose intolerant. Yeah. So it's not unsurprising they're not yeah. a baby cow. Um, and the, <laughs> like, hedgehog is not in the wild going to go and drink cow's milk, so it's their bodies just aren't aren't meant for that, and it causes, I guess, a bit like in lactose intolerant people, diarrhea and things like that, yeah. which can then lead to them being really dehydrated, um, and dehydration is a bit of a struggle for them there's, anyway. There's plenty. You go to a garden centre now. There's plenty of hedgehog specific food yeah and to or, be fair cat food yeah, dog food cat food and dog food the only reason i don't leave cat food out or didn't leave cat food out it. is i've got a cat who loves his food and he would have just yeah. eaten it all so um yeah so you had a little jose under under the under he the was bamboo. lovely he was lovely and he stayed here um all the way through to i think it was march early april which is when they sort yeah. of come out um and then moved on and moved on and you know, talking about that, going on to what you can do in your in your garden to help. Yeah. Obviously, we said build a little hedgehog house. Yeah, and you can you can buy hedgehog houses. They are often quite expensive. The, the way I did it was essentially like a nice little arched house made of stacked uh, chopped wood, yeah. essentially, and just make there's, sure it's there's not plenty gonna... of YouTube videos. Yeah. Actually, some have made them out of. Um, you know, a couple of courses of loose bricks and then put a bit of wood over yeah, the top. old and plant pot type things. Just a straw it, yeah. and cover it up with some, some leaves. And, and some they will obviously, if they move in, they'll make it their own. They'll yeah, bring definitely. their bedding and, and stuff like that. Um, obviously, stop using chemicals as much as you can yeah. in the garden. Like I said, slug pellets, that's the particularly bad. Thing. Don't spray your garden too heavily. Uh, yeah, make your pond safe if you have a yeah. pond you in You want to make sure there's different levels so it can 
get out essentially like a little ladder yeah you know a little step out. like you get in the swimming pool is what yeah. you want. <laughs> so. and then also obviously having a wilder garden whether that's through exactly what we said in the first episode log piles log piles bring in a lot of beetles and they love to eat beetles a range of plants brings in more insects and they like to eat the insects so it's essentially trying to create a nice buffet for them in your in your garden yeah and then of course we were talking about hedgehog highways one of the other things that you must do is give them a exit an exit I mean, some people go to the extreme of, of cutting a square out of their fence. Yeah. Well, you, you, you don't have to do that. What you can do is cut a little, is dig a little sort of channel underneath the fence. Yeah. And, they, and they'll, if you start that off, they'll continue, they'll carry on and they'll dig a big enough hole yeah, to like, get through. Yeah, like I mentioned with the hedgerows they, and with the roads, they typically like to follow something quite enclosed. So they'll walk through a hedgerow yeah. uh, in, in the middle of it or they'll walk along the perimeter of something. So like we had in our old garden, they will come in and stick quite closely to that fence yes. and go around because they feel a lot safer rather than being out in the open. And then once they come across a little channel, they might duck under and go into the next garden. So creating a little entry and exit point in your garden underneath your fence so they don't get... I dug one for Jose and my neighbour filled it in with pebbles. <laughs> So I had to go and dig a different Somewhere one. Somewhere else, yeah. So uh, he didn't obviously... Didn't he obviously want the hedgehogs. Didn't, he probably thought it was for the he cats. Obviously didn't, yes, he didn't like the hole underneath the fence. So he filled it full of rocks, I think. And then yeah. I had to go and do another one, which was a bit more hidden away. So uh, my other neighbour on the other side couldn't see it. But yeah, Jose so, then moved on. So he must have found a way. Um, he must have found a way out. So, yeah, uh, so those are all good things you can you can actually build again i think it was the rspb website that had i think it was called a hedgehog cafe and it's a bit like building a bug box but it's essentially building like a nice little eating spot for a hedgehog and filling it with snacks and somewhere they can eat safely essentially yeah um which i thought was just cute you mean a table and chairs and a, yeah, you know, an napkin, umbrella and candle like yeah 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 uh on a more uh, I guess time specific point and it's, it's, it's a bit of a shame this podcast isn't coming out this week rather than next week but bonfire night is another very bad time to be a hedgehog because people will sometimes build their bonfires in advance they'll be stacking wood and stuff up for however long and ready to set fire on November the 5th or over that weekend and hedgehogs will move into that nice woody pile and curl up underneath and go to sleep and then suddenly it's on fire and it's a real danger for essentially cooking a hedgehog alive. It happens a lot, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So rather, there there are two options. One is build it and light it on the same day, which I think is the better of the two options. If you've already built one, it's just there, there are two things you can do. Thoroughly check it, make sure there isn't a hedgehog in there, and only light it from one side. Yeah. So that yeah. once it gets hot, they can get out. Um, it's sadly a, a real problem for them. So being a little bit careful with your bonfires... As well, I guess that people who do that in their garden, not on November the fifth, in general, if you're stacking up wood to be burnt at a later point, just keep an eye and be careful that you're not burning yeah, any hedgehogs. Yeah, I think that's that's good advice, and I've got a feeling that that advice pops up somewhere on some advert or something on yeah. bonfire night, pretty much every year. Think, it has done since I was a kid, I think. Yeah, and I think you know, check your bonfire. Megan McCubbin put out. And I don't know whether she was involved in making it. I'm actually not too sure, but she shared on Twitter a whole, almost like a mini film. It's not very long. It's a couple of minutes long about bonfire night and fireworks and wildlife and just yeah, how to try yeah. and be conscious of, of that sort of thing. Um, but it's, yeah, that's obviously, I say, a, an old solution of, of making sure you don't burn your hedgehogs. Yeah, so we need to we need to give the hedgehogs some, some hedgehog love, don't yeah, we? Yeah, and there were two other things I was going to mention, and this sort of ties into our... Um, 
fondness for highlighting good organisations. So there are two things you might see a hedgehog do, which is not natural. One is people call it sunbathing, but it's like lying out in the open. They shouldn't be lying out in the open. And the other one is appearing drunk. It's like stumbling around. And they're both signs of some sort of illness or some sort of issue with the hedgehog. And at that point, you need to typically phone the Hedgehog Preservation Society and they will essentially... They are quite prone to, to illnesses, viruses, viruses and things. Bacteria, they, they get a... Ticks as well. Yeah, and, and they get they can get a chesty cough yeah, type thing. Yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. So if you do hear one... I mean, they do snuffle around in the garden, but if you hear one actually coughing... Um, then you should take it to a Yeah, vet. and so you can, there are obviously the RSPCA, but there is the actual hedgehog uh, specific. They are, yeah. I think they are the Hedgehog um, Preservation Society. I don't think it's the conservation one. And they will normally uh, direct you to like, your local hedgehog rescue um, people. I think there's one in Devon that I follow on Instagram called Prickles and Paws, and they are a hedgehog rehabilitation centre. They take in injured ones, nurse them back to health and release them. Apart from the fact they're like adorable to watch on Instagram, they're a really good example of a group of volunteers yeah. out there trying to look after look after the hedgehogs. There's, all, there's always a little group of yeah of people doing that. Yeah, and it? I mean, the, I brilliant. the actual hedgehog like society, they are in charge of this thing called the state of our hedgehogs which is a big report on their population which is where i got a lot of the facts and figures and a lot of the websites that we've read reference this report and they're the ones who say it's actually quite hard to track their population i'm trying to um, think there was a there was a campaign of, it might have been last year where they were asking you to monitor. If you, to monitor it so if you saw a hedgehog in your garden go onto this website and actually you Log know it. register it and yeah. I can't remember what that site was, but we, we, it we'll find it. We'll will put it will be in. the state of our hedgehogs. Yeah, if we find that, we'll put it in again um, the in the show The best way notes. to work out if you have a hedgehog in your garden is lay a hedgehog trap, and it's not anything <laughs> nefarious. Essentially, you there are two ways of doing it. One is sand, and you put a little bowl of hedgehog food with sand around, surrounding it so that when they walk in it, you'll get a hedgehog footprint, and they're quite distinct footprints. Five-toed. Yeah, so you can be like, hedgehog ate that and not a fox or your cat yeah. or, or whatever. And I think the other way which I think the RSPB maybe did. And it's actually, there was a PhD student in Southampton who was doing it as a project. They actually use a tunnel, but you can make like a homemade animal safe ink. And then next to the entry and exit of the tunnel, there'll be a little bit of paper. So they put their foot in the ink and oh, then put their cool. foot in the paper. And then you have a little, again, another footprint. So if you want to, I think I did sand in however many houses ago outside the hedgehog home to see whether you've got any little, little hedgehog feet. Um, if you want to test whether you've got them visiting your garden um, well it's about this time now um november when they're be starting to think about hibernating yeah. so it's normally in november isn't it and they'll yeah, do november to about march bad. early april yeah um when they're they're now hibernating so if you see obviously a pile of of leaves or debris in a corner of your garden then be it's cautious yeah be, be careful when you're when you're clearing or yeah or tidying your garden because there's a good chance. And we will stick in the show notes and description links to the organisations where this research comes from, but also the people that you can phone if you yeah. either find an injured one, one behaving like a hedgehog shouldn't, or anything along those lines. Um, we'll, we'll stick those details in the in the show notes. So if you do stumble across a struggling hedgehog, you, you know who to call. And it's not Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but that, that's that's sort of it for the story of the hedgehog. Um, used to be common. Rural populations are struggling and we're fighting back for them. Last thing, actually, we've got the March for Wildlife, which Chris Packham organises. Oh, um, is that on the 26th, 26th of November? I think it is, yeah. And I think, 
a few years ago now, I can't remember which year it was, that he did one of these March Wildlife. So they actually focused quite heavily on the hedgehog. And so, again, the RSPB, Chris Packham, all, all those normal uh, people that we shout out are always campaigning for just ways to make our landscape more hedgehog and hedgehog friendly. And, yeah, and I think like it's, that. again, it, it's a, an awareness thing, isn't it? Because yeah. if you don't see them, and we don't see them very often, they kind of go out of your your you know yeah, it's only when it gets bad conscience and yeah, uh, conscious, con- they go out of your uh thinking i guess yeah. because you don't see them. if you were to see them podding across the garden you'd think more about hedgehogs yeah. but because you don't you, you kind of then forget about the things that you should be doing yeah to it's only when them in. one of these big studies comes out and you see in the headlines of normal newspapers will suddenly be like uk hedgehogs declining by whatever yes. that suddenly like oh no the hedgehogs are in, in trouble yeah. and at, at that point they're already struggling rather than us just trying to look after them but thankfully when it comes to all the stuff we've been talking about whether it's the curlews or rewilding they all tie in very nicely if you have a wilder field for insects it yes, helps the a, hedgehogs and so it all ties in it's quite a, it's nicely it's a common theme run, yeah. running here isn't there um, so. but yeah I think lots of people probably weren't aware that our hedgehogs were struggling but then as soon as you mention it they'll probably be like oh, I used to see them all the time when I was, a, yeah. when I was younger and, yeah so but, if we can do a little bit of raising awareness yeah make the garden friendly and if you see one in the road pick it up move it look after it a bit of hedgehog love yeah little hodge pigs urchins yeah i do like that to be fair <laughs> yeah. um the fact they're called baby ones are called hoglets is just adorable. I, i'm gonna leave you with one last fact which actually might make you smile in medieval times people thought they carried fruit on their spines oh like little cocktail <laughs> sticks <laughs> like little cocktail sticks so we'll leave you with that little image yeah of a hedgehog bringing you an olive with you know a pineapple cube and yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah and fruit apples and things on their yeah. spines but yeah, that will um we'll we'll wrap that up. Thank you again for listening. Um, one thing I haven't got into the habit of saying, which means you can tell we're not professional podcasters, is don't forget to hit follow on Spotify, leave us a review on Apple Podcast if you want. All those things help us, and uh, we would appreciate it. Yeah, and actually, what we also haven't said enough of is thanks to everyone who has so far yeah. listened. And actually, we've been we've been really genuinely surprised and and yeah overcome with emotion very excited (laughs) when we when we see that people are really excited and we've had some we've had a really good amount of people downloading and saying nice things so a big big thank you to everyone so far we tend to just we do it because we just really enjoy it and then when we get a little message saying listening to the pod loving it it's just yeah it's nice we've had we've had we've had quite a few of those so uh yeah a genuine thank you from uh, from us and it's uh it's it's great yeah and we'll catch you next time and if you see a hedgehog look after it yeah i'm gonna leave with that thanks a lot right see you next time bye Bye.